Hello, my name is Hannah Reeve. I'm the founder of Nature Nurtures, where we help social entrepreneurs, passionate teachers and earliest practitioners to set up their own outdoor nurseries, forest schools and outdoor projects for children. Joining me today is Brittany Price, the founder of Naturing in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. Our first Canadian to the Nature Nurtures podcast, Brittany's story showcases her prairie spirit and positive attitude. She is passionate and humble, and I'm so inspired by her open-minded approach to establishing her new program, Naturing. It's incredible to see all these 20-something-year-olds coming through that are establishing wonderful programs for their communities. A great thing to come out of months of pandemic redundancies? I think so. Now, without further ado, here's the lovely Brittany from Canada. Brittany, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Let's just jump right in. So tell us a bit about your beginnings. What's got you to this point? Sure. I'll go back to 2014. I was out of high school for four years. I went to university for a little bit. Couldn't find my area. I was just a little bit lost, I'd say. And then... Oh, we've all been there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My partner and I at the time, we decided to go teach abroad. I didn't have a degree. So the only place that I could go to was China. He had a degree, so it worked in his favor too. But yes, we went to China for a year and a half. It was really awesome. I taught kids from like one year to three years. That was my class. I had taught swimming lessons before that. And then I went into this and I have a huge family. So I knew how to be with babies throughout the day, but not in like a classroom settings. Do you have a lot of siblings, Brittany? No, I just have one brother, but I have lots of cousins and they all have babies. And so I was always the babysitter and yeah, (laughs) yep, very fun. And I was the youngest cousin with all of these younger cousins after me, like 13 of them. So I babysat them all the time. So I kind of learned in that situation that kids needed to be outside. And I really missed being outside because in China, as you probably know, I don't know if you've been there before, but there's a lot of smog. There's not a lot of opportunity for really physical activities outside and hiking and those kinds of things. You can do them, but they're not the best for your health. A lot of the kids there had never seen stars before. And that really shocked me and brought things home. And I had this deep, deep appreciation when I came back home for Canada and being able to see the stars at night and being able to go on long hikes. And my health was still okay. When I was in China, I decided to apply for education. So I got in at my local university in Regina, Saskatchewan. Health was kind of like an easy go-to for me for my major. I just kind of was like, Health sounds good, but there's no jobs in health. (laughs) And then my minor, I was thinking maybe phys ed. And then I saw outdoor education as an option. And I'd never heard of that before. I was just pretty shocked. So I decided like, I love hiking. I love snowboarding. That was kind of my experience being outside. But being in China really solidified that wanting to be outside was very important to me. I went back to Regina and started my program there. It was really awesome. I I finished it in three and a half years. I had amazing profs in outdoor ed and in health, but mainly outdoor ed was the kicker for me. And my one prof, 
Nick Forsberg, he did a like a private study and I got to study different programs within Saskatchewan and the world. So I was discovering what forest school was and all of those kinds of programs and seeing what other kinds of outdoor programs were in Saskatchewan. And there was one outside of Regina and then there was a couple in Saskatoon. One's a grade eight program and one's a grade 11 program. So the one in grade eight is called EcoQuest. And I actually got to do my internship there. That was my main introduction into the outdoor education realm. Like I learned all the things in my undergrad. But then when I got to EcoQuest, I finally realized what an actual program can be like and how different it is than actually learning it on paper. So tell us about EcoQuest. Like what kind of place is that? What does it look like? Yeah, so it's a third indoors, a third outdoors and a third in the community. It's for grade eight students. So they're like 13 years old around there. It's a full year long program so they can apply to be in it and it's at a different school in the city and the school is really close to the South Saskatchewan River where there's a huge trail right along there so a lot of the learning was done right there on the river and that was like a beautiful opportunity that they had to use that space but basically it was like camping trips learning how to plan for camping trips a lot of I guess doing things in the community rock climbing and like volunteering whenever they would do any kind of learning in the classroom they would take that outdoors and do something outdoors with it or something in the community with it so yeah it was a really amazing program to be a part of I learned a lot there sounds wonderful yeah it was really awesome and then after my internship there's only like a few programs in the city and in the province that are like that. So it's very hard to find jobs in those kinds of programs. You have to be like a pretty solidified teacher in the city. So like most of the teachers that had jobs in it were teaching for 10 years prior to that. So you had a lot of competition for jobs. Yeah. And you're a new graduate <laughs> and you've done your internship. So you're bouncing out into the world, ready to find that amazing job. And then you get there and, oh, this is harder than I thought. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after my internship, I got a job with Saskatoon Public Schools and I got a job right away teaching phys ed, which I was like, okay, let's do this. It's going to be, I love PE. So it was pretty fun. It was kindergarten to grade threes. Ah, but wow. that winter, because okay. I finished my degree in December and then it went from December to June and I got a job that December. And then February was the worst February we had had in so long. And it was two weeks of minus 50. And the kids were inside indoor recess for two, two and a half weeks long. So it was intense. So this is deep winter in Saskatoon. And for those who don't know, like we're in the depths of Canada here. So this is high extreme winter. Like, so you're talking minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit. No, sorry, Celsius. You, oh, Canadians work in Celsius? Oh, you're sensible yes. like us in yes, the UK. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. But we are kilometers, not miles. So that is one thing we are well, different in. You fall down there, <laughs> don't you? But um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Wow. Minus 50 degrees Celsius. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah. You can't even imagine it until you've been in it. No. I imagine pain. Yeah. Actually. Pain. When you walk outside, it's like, whoa, you got to burst of wind in your face and it's yeah it's not minus 50 
without the wind chill, it's minus 50 with the wind chill. Because in Saskatchewan, it's very flat. It's the plains. There's not a whole lot of trees. In Saskatoon, they have more. But in Regina, there's just, it's flat prairie. And the wind comes through there and it just slaps you in the face. And in Saskatoon, it's still windy. So in the school you were at, they were having that recess time inside those children, those older children. Are there any programs that would go out in extreme weather like this? Yeah, so at minus 50, there's a bit of a cut off. So kids can't go out. But from minus 28 to I think minus 28 is when they say that it's going to be an indoor recess. Yeah. yeah. And so like for the kids that are minus 28, minus 35 or something, I could be wrong here. These are maybe some of the numbers, but you can do the polar bear club. One teacher will take out like a group of maybe the brave kids that is 10 or 15 kids that are like, I just need to get outside. Yeah. And yeah. so the Fully teacher will kitted take out. Yes, exactly. Oh, huge ski pants, huge jacket, toques on. And yeah, so those kids are very brave. I never did the polar bear club. I don't love that. Oh, shame on you, Brittany. I know. <laughs> I think I did it when I was in grade eight, actually, a couple times. Wow. But it's intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Me. Okay. We digress. I was just fascinated by that element. I thought you would be. <laughs> <laughs> so your childhood was in this place as well, right? Yes. Yeah, I grew up there. So this yeah. is, so you experienced this as a child as well, and I guess living with the seasons and extreme weather that oh, yes. this part of the world brings. It basically goes winter and then summer, which is plus 30 to plus 40 sometimes. You know, like we don't really have the shoulder seasons in Saskatchewan. And you decided that you wanted to spend more time outside. So yes. <laughs> it clearly worked for you, even though you don't do the Polar Bear Club often. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was as soon as it became April, there's still like a little bit of that ice on the grass and kids are slipping around and stuff like that. But as soon as the frigidness kind of came out of the air, I was like, we are going outside and I'm going to take these kindergarten students and these grade three students outside and we are going to do our phys ed classes outside. So some loved it, some really didn't like it. But I was just like, this is really important to be outside and kids can run, run around a lot more and get that energy kind of off. And yeah, it was, I really enjoyed that. I remember my childhood, I'll never forget this, was doing cross-country running around the school grounds. And part of the school grounds had just been fresh, had been plowed and then had frozen. And we were having to run over this through ruts and oh, peaks yeah. and troughs in the ground, like just breaking ankles and I know. Oh, so cold. And we had to wear shorts as well, which are just, oh. that was just evil. <laughs> Just because that was the uniform. Oh, dear. So anyway, I digress as well. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's my experience of PE in winter. I like it. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So at what point did you say to yourself, oh, man, we've got to get out of Saskatchewan and do something else? COVID happened March 2020, kind of like that's when it hit us. I was subbing before then a little bit. And as soon as COVID hit, I got laid off and I was just kind of out of work for, I think I was out of work for like almost a full year. And so March, April, May, June, July, my partner and I, were we've had enough of just kind of sitting around inside because a lot of the time it was really cold. So decided to move to BC and 
that's where we are now in Victoria, British Columbia. So just going back before you moved then and you were laid off from the job you were at then, was that so you were a substitute teacher at that point and then obviously had no work. So how, I mean, how was that managing? Because months and months, wasn't it? How, how did you manage? What was that like for you? I'm pretty like resourceful, I'd say. I like to busy myself as you learned Previously, I was just doing a lot of exercise and yoga and long walks outside. We fostered a dog who became a foster fail. So now we have a a dog from the pandemic. So a lot of people did that stuff. And that was great. Kept us really busy and lots of cooking, baking and stuff like that. Coming back to naturing, had this kind of idea in the back of my head. That would be cool. But I just didn't feel like Saskatchewan was the right place for me to do it. So how long had you had naturing that little seed of an idea? Is that, did it really start in the pandemic, that time when you were out of work or before that? I would say in my undergrad when I started doing my outdoor ed classes and talking to my one professor, I would talk to him a lot about different programs. And he was just like, I know you can do it. I know you'll be able to do something further on in, in life, like maybe not now, but I know you'll be able to do something. So that was kind of a real push for me. And I think I just had that in the back of my head, like you should do something with kids outside. But that was kind of it. You know, I didn't really see a clear picture of what it could be because I was running my a whole program on my own is really difficult. I don't know a whole lot of people in this world who want to do the same kind of thing exactly as me. So yeah, moving to Victoria, it really pushed it. And I saw a niche in there was no programs for young kids, like from babies to like five years old, all of the programs started after five, that baby to five year old, those parents need something to do with their kids, kind of felt bad for them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how much research did you do of Victoria before you got there? Or is it I mean, how did you decide to go there? Firstly, what made you decide there? Victoria was like I was saying is just kind of a I didn't want to Vancouver is really close and it's a popular place to move from the prairies and I actually never been to Victoria but my partner has been here a lot and he was just saying how beautiful it is and how nice it is to be on Vancouver Island and I don't know if you know much about the island but coming from Vancouver and like the mainland kind of area, it's a very busy place. And then you get to the island and it's just kind of like laid back. And that's the kind of people that we are pretty laid back. I don't like big cities. He doesn't like big cities. So that was a main factor about it. And we wanted to be on the coast so that it just made sense coming to Victoria. And there's so many opportunities for being outside all year round. That was really the big kicker to move, I'd say. So did you arrive there knowing that you were going to set something up, you were going to set naturing up? Or was there a moment of, oh, I actually think this is the time to do this? I wouldn't say I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I'd say when I started nannying here, so I didn't say this, but when I came to Victoria, I didn't really have a job because of COVID, I was applying at different school boards and different kinds of private schools in the city. And then nothing happened because they just didn't really know what was happening with schools and stuff at the time. So I met for the first time my second cousin and she had just had a baby. So 
she needed a nanny. She owns a business here in Victoria. So, and it just started up. So she needed a nanny right away. And so I started nannying her baby and she was two months old. So I just, every time I, I was like, we're going outside, we're going for a walk. We're going to do things outside. And that's when it really clicked in that I should do something for these kids this age. Cause my friends with babies were saying that there's nothing for us to do with our kids at all. Like there's no swimming lessons. There's really nothing for them at this age. So what were your next steps? And you realized there's a need for this and you could at least put together a small group of people to get this going. I guess making the behind the scenes business stuff, which from your previous podcasts, I know that a lot of people have had challenges in that. And it makes me feel good because I don't feel so alone in that. I don't know anything about business. And so I'm very lucky my partner owns a business and my like best friend is a business major. So they helped me a lot with the back end kind of stuff. So creating like logos and website design and the social media and a lot of friends have helped and my partner. So that was kind of like the first steps was to get that back end part going and I still am very lost on a lot of it and I have to ask questions all the time to them and they're so good at answering my silly silly questions (laughs) but they're very they're yeah very kind and I thank them a lot for doing that I'm very grateful towards them because that's the part I struggled with the most you know everybody in this situation I think from what I've heard in your previous podcast is that they love doing the front end things the programming and that's where I get the most joy from and it's kind of like I'm doing it on my own but with help from my friends but they're not fully invested in what naturing is you know so it's been challenging but also gratifying at the same time because now it's where it's at and I feel happy so I try to take the time to appreciate where I've gotten to but it's hard sometimes (laughs) It is. And it's an up and down journey, isn't it? Nothing ever goes in a straight line. It's very, very wiggly up and down. Yeah. That's great that you have a wonderful support network as well that you can turn to for a bit of help with bits. But I think it's, it's interesting that you highlight that point that we've got these people around you that are helping you, but none of them are invested in this as much as you are. Because this, yeah. this is your baby that you're working on from the ground up. So it's on you. And that's a huge pressure, isn't it? It's a lot of moving parts to deal with. But my hope is that as we share more of these stories, that people will understand that they're not quite as alone as they thought. Other people have done this before them. And actually, a lot of people have done this before around yeah. the world. Um, yeah. they've, they've gone through a lot of struggle, as you might do as well. It's part of the journey. And I think having your own business is an extraordinary journey of self-awareness and understanding yourself and how you respond to challenges and how you can help yourself. Those are the biggest things and things that I constantly have to meditate on because I'm quite, I would say, more responsive now. But before, when I, you know, at the beginning of our journey, a good sort of eight years ago, you know, I was quite reactive. And I remember when we were just even setting up and we had tradespeople coming in because we have a cabin. And I remember even the guy who came to lay the floor in the cabin was like, wow, I don't know what you're doing that for. And I was like, oh my goodness, all these people have so much advice. Yeah. And it's just, it's just understanding who counts, 
who deserves your listen in terms of advice giving? Okay, because there's very few people that actually you need to listen to for advice. I remember that was very overwhelming at the beginning. Yeah, totally. As you were saying, just uh, going back, I thought it was kind of funny that you asked me to do a podcast and I've been listening to your podcast, a couple of them prior to that. And I was just like, what do I have to say? You know, being very lack of self-confidence. And I was telling my partner that somebody asked me to do a podcast about my naturing. And he was like, well, Brittany, you have to do this so that other people want to do those kinds of things. And I was like, oh, Right. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what I want is more of these kinds of programs to be out there. And I want people to feel that they can do it, you know, because I'm pretty much on my own, like with the help of all my friends, I can't dismiss those people. But it's like a seed that I planted and up from everybody. But yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's really amazing to get going and you see these emails coming in and I don't get a lot of them yet. I don't have a whole lot of people that have come to naturing classes yet, but I've gotten a few emails of really nice messages of that they enjoyed it and that they've learned a lot. And that's all that you want to take from that. Like as a teacher too, it's like if you've impacted like one or two students a year, that is the cherry on top. That's why you do it. Oh, absolutely. And the small wins, really celebrating those are so important, I think, especially in the point that you're in, which you're sort of in the trenches at the moment and and building a business. It's it's big. And everybody makes, you know, we tell these stories and absolutely we want to share these stories in terms of inspiring others and and showing that if it's a matter of confidence, self-confidence, then you can overcome that. There are ways of doing it and even sharing experience and hearing from other like-minded folk. Those things are really important to help communities move along. Because I think that's what's so special about early childhood educators is that they're so embedded in communities and they really are serving communities right at the most important point, which is foundational level, which is helping to shape and support human beings in the most formative years of their life in terms of human development. It's yeah, it's a phenomenal responsibility. So if you can support parents with that as well, even better, you know, you're having a twofold impact there. So stories like this are wonderful. Now let's get into naturing a bit. So where are we? We're sort of in February twenty twenty one now. This is when you launched naturing. Yeah. What was the lead up to that? How did you get to February twenty twenty one in terms of getting to that point of being ready to launch? Yeah, I was just thinking like, what can my program be like? I think I kind of wanted to separate age groups and do different kinds of age grouping, but still keeping it under that five years old because it was only me being there during the lesson or session, I call them. But so it was only me and I was like, I have to have parents there parents have to be included. I don't always want to have to have parents there because I think that things change a lot but when parents aren't involved. But it's also a really amazing thing to see children and their parents bond in a different kind of way outdoors. I've seen it in swimming lessons, but it's different when they're kind of playing outside and it's really beautiful to watch. So basically, it's just every Saturday morning or in the summertime, I did it on Wednesdays. And in February, I did it on weekdays too, because I was still not employed then. I was nannying at that point. So I could do some weekday mornings and stuff. And it worked for some people, but 
it's hard to get the word out there to make it like a weekday thing happen. And you're new to this area as well. You moved yeah. into this area and you're, st- yeah. you're establishing a business, which <laughs> apparently a lot of people do. So we're finding this yeah. as a recurring story on the podcast. I think people become excited at being in a new space and having that momentum to actually create something new for themselves as well, I guess. I don't know. There's some romance in that, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, Victoria was a place when I first moved here, I was really in love with the city. And there's so many parks within the city that have so many huge natural elements, big rocky areas, and a portion of Victoria, I think one of their natural or a dying species is the Gary Oak tree, and they grow in huge meadows. So there's a lot of those in the parks, and they're really beautiful, but they grow on rocky terrain. So it's really cool to go through parks and see these huge forests of like Gary Oak trees, or just huge pine trees and that kind of thing. And they're all in the city. And there's amazing beaches. There's mainly rocky beaches, but there's a couple of sandy beaches that have amazing logs that are just like perfect playgrounds that I've never seen before. And that was one thing that I was like, well, I can just use parks and that kind of thing. And I reached out to bylaw officers here and asked if that was something that I could utilize. And they were like, yeah, sounds good. You're not breaking any laws. So I just decided like do it in a different spot every week kind of thing. And yeah, that's kind of my thought process at the beginning until February. So you had a big explore of the area that you'd moved into, found all these wonderful parks and beaches and thought, okay, this is a space. I love that you can hear your thought process as you get to the beach and you see this landscape. Oh, wow. You know, an amazing playground. That's wonderful because it's so inspiring, isn't it? When you see a space and you can imagine children, you you start telling yourself the story of what it could be. It's so exciting. Now that's interesting that you're going, because you're going to quite different places. So what's the geographical spread like in terms of getting to those places? How do you organize that? Yeah, so it's just through an email before the Saturday session. So I do it a couple days before and I just you have to either take a bus. I know one mom either walked everywhere or she took the bus with her child. So it is accessible. Like I do try to make them all accessible. And if there is any other needs that need to be met, I would try to do that too, because there's so many spots here that are accessible. So why not just go with the flow if somebody has a challenge that week or whatever, email me beforehand, and I'll try to change my planning around you kind of thing. So and you can't do that for everybody, but not everybody has crazy needs. And not that they're crazy, they're just needs. We should be able to like work with those kinds of things. Well, you're nice and small and you're, you're flexible at this point, aren't you, yeah, at the beginning? Exactly. It might not be something you can do long term, but exactly. for now, it makes sense. And as you're establishing and building community. I think responding to needs is, is, is important. As long as it's not putting a strain on you as the person who's putting this together and organizing this. Because if you're under strain, then that's going to be the transferred into the session and that's no good. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good with my boundaries and how far I can go and how far I can get pulled. So at some point, I would say no, if it grows like to a bigger amount. But for now, like you said, it's pretty easy and maintainable for me to keep it flexible. But yeah, I usually decide the location like a few dot a few days before and 
from there, I just email the parents. Most of them drive to the location and there's usually some type of parking lot or street parking that you can get onto. And then from there, we'll walk about like either five to 10 minutes, not usually 10 minutes because 10 minutes is quite a while for that age group. So it's not like a huge walk, but or a huge ask of people. Sometimes there's rocks and that kind of thing. As we get to the spot, a few of them this past session were pretty rocky, which was everybody did really great with, but there's usually a trail and people bring like their little push buggies and stuff like that. So, and it all works. It's, it's worked great so far. What kind of age group have you got coming to your sessions at the moment? It's usually six months to three years old. Yeah. That's a nice spread of age. I think it can get adventurous when you start adding in the older ones, but you know, it changes the dynamic. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how parents with mainly one and a half to three-year-olds have really wanted to do something like this. And they found it really rewarding for their kids to be in a program like this. Find it interesting. Yeah. What might be as well happening with that, I wonder if it's because when you get over the three-year mark, often those people have found a program already when those children were younger. So that age group that you're working with at the moment, those five-year-olds will have might have found something when they were one, two or three. So they might be already established in that. You've got your fishing net out and you're just scooping up those younger ones and they'll be able to stay with you, which is really good. Yeah, totally. And I've found a lot of the parents that did start at the beginning, they've continued throughout. So that's really amazing. I didn't really expect that. And there's been new people coming, but I've seen a lot of the same parents come three sessions in a row or whatever. So that's really rewarding. How do you get people to sign up? Like, do they have to sign up for a particular term? Yeah. So I usually announce it about two weeks ahead of time. And then it's just a Google Doc. So I saw on some other people's websites that they just use Google Docs. I don't really know any other kinds of platforms for like doing signups without having to pay for things. I'm pretty minuscule with my money right now. So I'm just trying to like build things up a bit more before I can pay for like online services and things like that. Yeah, so for sure. I've just been using Facebook ads and Instagram ads and then hoping that that will attract some people and then they just sign up on a Google Doc on my website. Wonderful. Ah, that's really good. You found a free resource to do that as well, because there's so many companies out there, so many software companies that they charge so much. They take a good percentage of your booking fees. And I think you've been really smart there in finding something that actually works for you in terms of your budget right now, which is, which is really important. It's being able to manage them coming in. That's the trick. And I can't open them on my phone. So you have to have a computer and you have to have internet access. So that is the challenge. Seeing everybody's emails come in eventually. Like once I start putting on Facebook ads and stuff, then the registrations usually kind of roll in really slowly. And then a few days before the deadline is there. In the past, I've gotten more closer to the deadline. So it's kind of hard, like, then you have to shut it down if it gets to too many people. Yeah. And then you have people emailing you like two days beforehand being like, oh, I wanted to get in. Is there a spot left? And then I'm like, oh, you'll have to just wait for the next one. Sorry. But that's nice to know that people are interested. So they're paying per session at this point. They don't have to sign up for a certain amount. No, it is a five-week session, so there's... Okay. Yeah, 
there's five weeks and it's like $65. So it's not much for what I've seen in the area. It's pretty manageable, I'd say. It's an hour and 15 minutes every like 9.30 to 10.45 every Saturday morning. Sometimes we stay out a little bit more. So that's $13 per session, basically. Yeah. And that's 65 for the block of five weeks. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to challenge you on this a little bit. Yeah. When you say that it's not a lot for the area, what's made you choose that $13? It's a good question. <laughs> I've been seeing other programs that have charged 15 to $20 and like swimming lessons are a lot more money. So I'm kind of comparing it to other kinds of programs that aren't because there's nothing really like naturing here in this city in this area for this age group so yeah it's really hard to compare it to anything else but yeah I was just kind of like compared it to say like swimming lessons and swimming lessons are very expensive here they are swimming is a tricky one to come as a comparison it is difficult because you're a pioneer in the area so you're the sort of first one setting out doing this what can be useful i mean you haven't asked for my mm-hmm. advice but i'm gonna give it to you regardless i would love it <laughs> what can be useful in terms of fee research because loads of people struggle with this it's one of the main things that people ask about is like setting fees and market research for this is it can you look at local i don't know what you'd call them like nursery schools and see if they're doing any particular groups or classes there might be people doing like yoga classes for babies or baby massage or something like that so look at that and just have a bunch of different things like that and really look at what they're charging it's hard because they are different services but you know that parents are willing to pay that amount of money for that particular niche in terms of the childcare education market so that can be really useful swimming is a trick that's a slightly different one that's a tricky one to use t- to compare, I think, because it is super niche. There's a lot of safety element that comes into mm-hmm. it as well. And there's a and, pool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think swimming is seen as, for a lot of people, that children must learn to swim. Like it's that sort of rite of passage of childhood, whereas going to a baby massage or a yoga class for kids or sort of a, a nature program for kids that's kind of seen as an optional niche if you see what I mean I'm massively generalizing and (laughs) making assumptions with very little data at my fingertips but it's just something to at least get you thinking about it a bit and keep researching fees don't just stick with this amount and then right let's do that because definitely in your second year your fees should be going up okay and they should be going up every year you just you have that expectation in your mind that my fees will increase at least a few percent each year because the cost of living rises. So keep moving with the times. Yeah, thank you. I hope that's helpful. It's just yeah, one to think is. about because it's a really big one. Totally. So at the moment you're doing naturing at the weekends solely and then maybe a weekday session? Yeah, I would love to get into more weekday that kind of thing. But right now I'm on a full-time job. So Monday to Fridays, but yeah, we'll see what the future takes me. And I would like to take naturing into another realm of its own, but right now just trying to get up onto my standing point here in Victoria, and then we'll see where we can go from there. You're doing it in a wonderful way because you're breaking it down into stages. And I I always think this is such a sensible way of doing it. If I had that hindsight, 
and I could go back eight years, I think, you know, for sure I would have done things differently. <laughs> you, you learn from experience. But I think this is a very affordable and sensible way of doing it. And the point is, the more effort you put into it, the faster and better it will grow. So you like to be busy. You said this at yeah. the beginning. You like. <laughs> so now I also want to point out that, so you're working full time and you're building a business, but you're also studying, aren't you? Because it's part of your work. Tell us a bit about what you're doing at the moment in terms of full-time work. Yeah. So I am an EA, an educational assistant at a Montessori school here in Victoria. And I just started doing my Montessori teacher training. It's an online course. So it's really great. So I can do literally everything from home at my computer. And that's what my summer has entailed pretty much is just being on my computer, like maybe five hours a day or something like that. But for me, that's a long time. I get really easily distracted with things. So but it's, <laughs> it's good. I know that I want to get that done. And so I can be teaching Montessori someday. I mean, it's not exactly where I want to go. Like I do love the theory behind Montessori, but I would like to do my fourth school education and maybe a master's someday, but we'll see. So yeah, but Montessori has been good right now. Definitely. It's got very fashionable here in the UK because of the royal family. Prince William's children went to Montessori nursery school. So it's become very popular for sure with a lot of parents. And as you say, it is a wonderful approach in early childhood. Totally. So I like your, you've got a wonderful sort of five-year plan ahead of you there, you know, maybe a master's, maybe this, maybe that. In terms of naturing, tell us the dream. What could naturing be? What do you want it to be? I think I would really like to team up with somebody that's really like-minded. I have my eye on somebody right now and she is amazing. It just is in her court now to see if she wants to work with me and there's no hard feelings if she doesn't. Oh, come on person. Work with Brittany. Yeah. Come on. Danica, her name is. Say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she wants to homeschool children and taking them out into an area here. And it would just be kind of like under the naturing platform. She would kind of lead that. And then hopefully someday, because that would be during a weekday, which I wouldn't be able to attend. But hopefully then maybe in the next couple of years or something, I could maybe take a day off of work and slowly like work my way into half-time naturing, half-time teaching or something like that. That would be kind of the dream is to teach a little bit, but also do my business on the side, but more as like a half-time, half-time kind of thing. Yeah, you've got the flexibility for that as well. That's exciting to find someone else because that's a game changer, really. I take my hat off to people that start doing things like this on their own because you know as we we started talking about and we a little bit or we alluded to it's really it's a huge thing to set a business up from the ground up and as you've done in a, in a whole new area new community that you're establishing yourself in it's a really big thing to do so well done thank you thank you i yeah. really really hope that that works out with this person because yeah i think it's good as well that they're bringing in their own expertise and passion so you know that's adding on another sort of enterprise to what naturing is. So you've got your sort of parent-child classes and then bringing in the home ed or the homeschool element is, uh, oh my goodness, and at the moment is absolutely huge. I know for us here, our home ed group has grown exponentially. I mean, much faster than any of our programs. We have a funded three to five-year-old program. 
and a two-year-old program. The two-year-old program's got very popular for next year to the point where we've got waiting lists coming out of our ears, which is quite typical because we have a very small number of two-year-olds in each session. But the home ed group, we're finding that that is becoming a huge part of our business, um, much more than we had ever thought. But it fits very well in terms of what we do and I guess our ethos as well. For us here in England, our children go to school so early, just even in the cohort that we have at the moment, they're just coming to the end of their nursery time. A couple of them turn four last week and they're starting school next week. It's absolutely nuts. They've just gone from three to four and then they start school next week. It blows my mind. It really, really does. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, for us in England, we are in the very, very small percentage globally of children starting school at this young, 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 young age. It's completely unnecessary and goes against all kinds of research. It's absolutely phenomenal. So as you can hear, it's something I feel quite passionately about. So when we have people coming and saying, we're looking for something for these older children, five years old plus or four years old plus, oh, it's absolute music to my ears. And we open up our, our arms to that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I have no idea about Canada. This is a market that I don't know a lot about at all. So it's really good to hear a little bit of your thoughts and experience. I don't know much about the early childhood realm, but I know that education starts at five and before then it's pretty much like play school, we call it. And it's a lot of play, which is great. And I think people are trying to integrate like Montessori kind of ideals and those kinds of things at those ages. It's when you get down into the curriculum. Wow, it's for not the expectations in ages and stages terms. Oh, it's phenomenal. Do you think that you will stay in Victoria? Yes. Uh, it's so expensive here. <laughs> That's the one thing that I would love to stay here. But the market value and everything like that is just going up and up and up. And we would never be able to afford a house here. It seems like right now, especially being like a teacher, teachers don't make a whole lot of money in Canada. So I would love to stay here. And I can really, I don't want to like pressure myself into feeling like you have to stay here. This is what your dream is and that kind of thing. So if it means moving to another part of the island, somewhere that's like a bit cheaper, but equally as beautiful and has opportunities to be outside and to do something like naturing, then that would be great for me. Just kind of have to work with my partner on those kinds of things. And we'll see what happens. We're both very happy here right now in this moment. So I just think like the next five years will probably be in Victoria. Mm. Well, more reason to look at your fees if it's expensive yes. where you live. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't be afraid of it. Don't be yeah. afraid of it. Thank you. People will still come, honestly. How many do you have per session just out of interest? How many are you allowed to have or how many do you want to have? I don't know if there are restrictions on it or not. I think there are. I've never, I haven't looked at it recently. We're just going back to masks in Canada right now. Like we didn't have masks mandatory for the summer. Now they're coming back to being mandatory in BC anyways. And this is something I'll have to revisit again right right away here is I've said eight spots. It's a bit much because it's parents and children. We ask that parents wear masks, kids that age, it's pretty difficult for them to wear masks. So don't usually ask them to. But yeah, I've had six people at a session kind of, and it's really hard once you get to that eight people. It's really hard with parents. 
I don't know what it's like to be a parent. I'm not a parent, but it's hard for parents to buy in and to come every week. And you kind of, as like the person that's planning these, you want people to come every week. And I know that's impossible. All I ask is for parents. And this is just a shout out to parents, just email, text, send out a phone call, even the morning of, or like the night before just saying, Hey, we won't be able to make it that kind of thing. I know it's a hard thing to ask, but it just makes a no, huge it's not. difference. No, no. Okay, this, this is just rudeness. <laughs> I know. And it's, that's yeah. a frustrating moment for me when I have like two parents not show up and you're waiting and you want to get going. And it's just like, okay, I'm only going to wait for five minutes here. You can call me after that. And people just don't show up and it's frustrating. And that's like the one thing that I've talked to my friend about and the one that I want to join me. So she's a scout leader and she is just finds it equally as frustrating. She's just like, that is just the one thing that you have to have parents buy in it. And even if you put an amount on each class, still, there's just this thing that people don't really care. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and it's, it is especially for the parent child classes you will always have this but I think like you're saying you know you're good at setting boundaries it is it's a boundary so it's a really good episode in the podcast where we had a chat with Claire Carey and she basically has a set of rules for her groups and I I think it's really important for any group that comes together to you know I think having rules just helps people to understand expectations I think that's a really good one if people are struggling with in terms of that element. Don't feel frustrated. Set a boundary with it. You know, we will wait for five minutes. After this time, it's up to you to find the group. Unless, obviously, if somebody's really struggling, then it's just having a chat with them and finding out, is there something you need some help with? Open communication. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. you need to know because you're holding space for a whole group and it's about respecting one another's time. That is for everyone, isn't it, really? That is a challenge with those. And also, as you alluded to, the parent-child classes are really interesting and such a different kettle of fish from those sessions where you're running a group for children. That's They're so different. And I think, actually, your experience as a nanny must help you with this because you'll be used to working with parents in some form. You've worked with a parent in their home looking after the child. So it helps you to be able to have communication. This kind of environment with, with parents, you, you might you're used to at least one aspect of that because a lot of people find that challenging but I think you've got some really good experience there and you're still building in experience so and unfortunately it's going with those moments of frustration and and responding to them isn't it there'll be more there'll be many many more yes (laughs) celebrate the celebrate the wins the small wins yeah 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 totally I honestly, Brittany, I take my hat off. It's, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. You're fitting in so much. You're hustling like crazy and getting as much knowledge and experience and expertise as you can along the way. You're collecting all of these things to take with you and taking people with you as well. You know, that, that community that you're creating, that is no small task. We talk about these things and they sound so simple, don't they? But they're not. There's a huge amount of work that goes into this behind the scenes. You're having to manage fees, market research with that you know, handling money as well. I guess people pay electronically, but, you know, yeah. bank transfers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other element that I haven't really dove into, <laughs> but I'll get there. Yeah. That's the important one to keep on top of. Yes. Yes. Um, my partner is very good with that stuff. So excellent. he's a person excellent. that I <laughs> go to for that stuff right away. Soon I'll get on to it, but it all takes time. It does. It does. Each little bit 
you're having to learn as you go. And this is why it's wonderful that you've broken it down to these stages that you have. You're doing it. It's a lovely slow start. And it's honestly the best way that you could possibly do it. And I think it fits with your context as well. So this is what we always go through with people is, you know, what's right for you right now. It might not be right for someone else, but for you right now, this works so well. So keep going, keep going. And I I really hope that your friend jumps on board because that would be a whole exciting avenue to go down together. Yes, totally. So good luck with it. Thank you so much. I just hope more people can do something like this, you know, and it's challenging, but it's rewarding. And thank you for interviewing me. That's very kind. You're very good at this too. (laughs) (laughs) Do you enjoy it? I usually have a quick pre-chat before we launch in because the interesting thing about doing this podcast is that we literally get in touch with people by messaging them saying, would you like to speak on this podcast? And it's, I find it so humbling that people respond and say, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, but watch out everyone. You know, you might get a message from somebody on the team saying, have a chat on the podcast because it's important that, you know, we want these real life people to share their experience and their stories. Yeah. So. And I'm going to keep listening to them. Oh, thank you. Good. Let's close with what are your top tips for people who are thinking about doing this? What would you say to someone wanting to set up? I would say don't let your insecurities get in the way. And just because I had a lot of those kind of going forward, just putting things onto Instagram and I'm really bad at social media. Like you said, my Instagram is very beautiful. I thank you so much. It's taken me a lot to get there and to finally put more than just like one sentence down. It's I'm not like a very vulnerable person. If you talk to me in real life, I will be vulnerable with you. But over social media, I'm pretty generic. So it's taken me a lot to get on there and to do my thing. And I, I've been following a lot of people on social media that do share a lot. And that's a really beautiful thing. And I still have a lot of work to do. But I would say just don't let those things block you and have somebody that's really supportive and encouraging in your corner that can just keep nudging you and keep on and being positive because I need those people in my corner. And I know how important that is. So I think that's my biggest advice. (laughs) But do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. Really good tips. Really good. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Brittany. And I can't wait to hear how things go over the next few years and see where you end up. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. 